0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Spiritual Conversations with your host, Drake Miller. I am so incredibly thankful to be back this week, and I have no words to describe what this past week has been like. Um, It has been such a wonderful time. Um, I, to let you in on, on a little bit of what's been going on in, in my personal life, um, in my academic world, I just recently graduated from the University of Georgia with a bachelor's of science in biochemistry and molecular biology. Um, I'm so incredibly thankful I had a wonderful, wonderful time, um, now I'm not going to lie. There, there were a lot of learning experiences through these past four years. I started out with a few rocky months. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. There was a lot of stuff that no one tells you about when you are first talking about uh, going to college, and when they tell you how fun it is and wh- what all of an experiences you have, what they don't tell you is. You will get sick, and you won't know where to go. You will need to find food and not know how to do that. You will need to be searching for a church. You move to cities that you've never been to. It's a whole experience, but I have met some of the most amazing people in Athens, and I am so thankful and 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 for a guy who, at one time, was going to leave Athens, I've now committed to being here for uh, at least six more years. Um, I am going to graduate school at the University of Georgia. So how time flies and how things change. um it's 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 a wonderful sight. God did it. God really did. He really did everything. He lined it perfectly. Uh, up for me to be able to continue my education here and I am so thankful to Jesus Christ for all he's done um, and 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 so I congratulate any of my fellow listeners uh, whether you graduated from college you graduated from high school uh, wherever you graduated from or whatever you've been celebrating here lately I, I hope everyone has had some wonderful time and we um, whether, if you haven't had anything to specifically celebrate, um, you still, I hope have had some wonderful time with your friends and family. Um, you know what? in this day and age, just simply being alive and well under the sun, having Jesus Christ on our side, that's something to celebrate. And so I hope everyone has had time with their friends and family, um no matter where you're at. But I do want to give a special congratulations to um, all of my college and high school friends out there who have graduated. Um, this week, we are finishing up our series on what makes the difference. Um, and and really, when you think about what kind of answers we've we've provided to this question, they've just been amazing. We started out with the love of God, which was hung on the beautiful Scripture John three sixteen For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And we saw how God so loved, and he so loved the entire world, and he so loved the entire world that he gave. He gave all. He held nothing back when engaging in this beautiful story of redemption. The mighty God robed himself in flesh He laid aside his robes of splendor for a borrowed peasant's gown. He came and died a horrendous death on a wooden cross to shed blood powerful enough to save this entire world. And this led into a discussion of the one who did that. The one who did die for us. He is the Messiah of this whole world. He is the lamb for sinners slain, and he was slain before the foundations of the world. His name is Jesus Christ. It was for all the character of this man that the disciples cried at him, saying, What manner of man is this? And I can tell you what manner of man is he, this Messiah, this Jesus Christ, who died for all sinners. He came out of a womb of a virgin girl, was born in a manner, a manger in the city of Bethlehem, and made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death, of the cross. He came to die for you and me. This is the manner of man, as he. He laid aside his robes of splendor for a borrowed peasant's gown. He traded all the riches of Het all the riches of heaven, to work as a carpenter by day and a high priest by night. He who knew no sin was a friend of the sinner, taking their sin so they would be free. This is the manner of man is he. He left the sounds of a holy eternity crying holy, 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 and traded it in for a crowd crying crucify, crucify, crucify. He became one who was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. He walked everywhere he went with love in his hand and spoke with love in his mouth, even when they mocked him to his face and plotted against him behind his back. He hung there on a cross with flesh falling off the bone, his face swelling to almost burst, and his muscles slowly ripping through his nail-pierced hands. And through all that, he worked to save one man, a thief beside him. And he cried, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This is the manner of man, is he? This is Jesus Christ. Though we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. He loved us so much he was cut off from the land of the living, and for the transgression of my people was he stricken. This is the manner of man, is he. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him, and the witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him, death couldn't handle him, and praise be unto God that the grave couldn't hold him. This is the manner of man is he. And it was this man, this Messiah, who is the master of the mighty, the captain of the conquerors, he's the head of the heroes, he's the leader of legislators, the overseer of the overcoveners. Of the overcomers, the Governor of Governors, the Prince of Princes, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords, he is also the way, the truth, and the life. He said, "No man cometh unto the Father, if not by me. He's the only way. This is the manner of man, is he? His blood made a way. it's what's purchased us. It's the object of the story of redemption. It was because of his love and his blood that a way was made for all us sinners. And through his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and ascension, we can now understand it was Jesus Christ and his action that allowed Peter to preach that age-old message when he said, Repent. And be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remissions of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is the message of Jesus Christ. This is the saving message that he died for. This is the saving message that we ought to also die for. For the promise is unto you, Peter said, and to your children, and to all that are afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call that means my friend it's for you it's for your children it's for your friends your coworkers your church your community your state your nation your world it's for all who will listen and over the past few weeks this message is what we've been breaking down this acts 238 plan of salvation it's called the entrance into the kingdom of god if you haven't explored that i encourage you to go back and listen to those other lessons You'll find them on my podcast page and they'll help you understand what we've been talking about more. And friend, you must repent. You must repent. You must be water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins, thus calling upon the name of the Lord. And you must accept this gift of the Holy Ghost. For if you do not have the Spirit of Christ, you're none of His. It's a gift, but you must accept it. You must, my friend. Friend, if we believe and are baptized, both in water and in the Spirit, we shall be saved. If we believe not, we shall be weighed in the balances of eternity. And being found lacking, we will be sealed to eternal damnation. It's so simple, but it's so eternal. You can be a good person, but if you aren't a baptized person... No amount of goodness will save you. You can do whatever you want to with this little short life of yours, but I'm going to give all of mine to God. I'm going to be baptized in Jesus' name. I have been, and I, and I will continue to be. And I'm going to live in His Spirit. You know, Solomon spoke a truth when he said, What profit hath a man of all his labor, which he taketh under the sun? And Jesus asked the same question when he said, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Remember this, my friend. Only what you do for Christ will last. Our personal success and goodness towards others won't be credited to us if we don't first give ourselves completely to God. And this week, I finish up this series on what makes the difference with this question. What then? After we have made our decision concerning salvation, after our little short life has come to an end and we find ourselves standing before the Lord, what then? After the heavens have passed away with a great noise and the elements have melted with a fervent heat, when the earth and all the works therein have been burned what then What then When all the great plants of our cities have turned out their last finished work when our merchants have made their last bargain and dismissed their last tired clerk when our banks have picked in their last dollar and have paid out the last dividend when the jur- when the judge of the earth says close for the night and ask for a balance. What then? When the choir has sung its last anthem, and the preacher has said his last prayer. When the people have heard their last sermon, and the sound has died out on the air. When the Bible lies closed on the pulpit, and the pews are all empty of men. When each one stands facing his record, and the great book is opened. What then? When the actors have played their last drama and the mimic has made his last pun. When the movies have flashed their last picture and the billboards displayed its last run. When the crowds seeking pleasure have vanished and gone into darkness again. And the world that rejected its savior is asked for a reason. What then? Ah. Oh. When the bugle's last call sinks in silence and the long marching columns stand still. When the captain has given his last orders and they've captured the last fort and hill. When the flag has been hauled from the masthead and the wounded afield have checked in. When the trump of ages is sounded and we stand up before him. What then? When your life, my friend, has run to a finish and the last you can do is then done. When your work here on earth is all ended, and eternity's issue begun, as you think of how long God has pleaded of how Christ bore your sins on a tree, and your soul stands there naked before him, and the Father denies you. What then? Friend, Eternity is the sharpest contrast between the greatest life ever known to a soul and the worst torture beyond explanation to mankind. When all we can do has been done, the one thing that truly makes a difference is what our Lord says to us when we stand before His judgment seat. For those of us who have loved God, followed His commandments, it will be such a joyous time. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which also sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain, shall we be caught up together with him in the clouds. To meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, my friends, comfort one another with these words. And with these words we sure are comforted. At any moment now, my friends, this could happen. We could be caught up to meet our Savior. The Holy Ghost could catch all of us up into the sky to meet our Lord. We that now serve the Lord with gladness could be taken from this world in what is called the rapture of the church, and we would no longer struggle in this present age, but we would rule and reign with our Lord. Just as Paul said, This corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? And O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my brethren, my beloved brethren, Paul said, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Friend, fellow believer, contender for the faith, this is our promise. I love the Lord. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to be called up with Jesus Christ one day to leave this world behind, and all of you can go with me. For all the labor we're in, it is not in vain, for our reward is great. Like I just said, it's eternal life and it's eternal paradise. When we see Jesus face to face, all these trials that seem so hard, they're going to just melt away when we hear, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. And if you don't know where I got that phrase of, Well done, thy good and faithful servant, it comes from one of Jesus' parables concerning the end of all things this one being found in Matthew 25 and is commonly called the parable of the talents. When the master left his servants with a certain investment for a number of days and came back and found a few had done well, to one of his servants he said, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord, and this is a parable concerning the kingdom of heaven. And, and in yet another explanation of that day, Jesus said that he would sift out the souls of men before his judgment seat with the sheep, or those who are loved by his Father, on the right, and the goats, or those who are s- set for eternal damnation, on the left. And to those on the right he will say, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. I was hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. And what a day that will be for those of us who will hear, Well done, and come in. Of these it is written, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, that's us, Because on such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him for a thousand years. We're going to reign with God for a thousand years. We're going to be priests of God and of Christ. We shall live in the new heaven and the new earth. For again, it is written of those who have overcome, and that's us. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any pain, for, more, for the former things are passed away. And he that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. And we will hear from John, the beloved, about this city, which has been prepared for us believing since the foundations of the world. For John wrote this, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, and I'll show thee the bride, the the lamb's wife. That's us. We're the bride of Christ. And I'm about to read to you what John saw as our inheritance. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and he showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem descending out of the heaven from God. Having the glory of God in her light was likened unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels and names written hereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. And on the east three gates, and on the north three gates, and the south three gates, and on the west three gates, And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city, and the gates thereof, and the walls thereof. And the city lieth foursquare, and the length is as large as the breadth. And and he measured the city with the reed twelve thousand furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. This is where we're going. I'm talking to you about this great city we're going to live in. And he measured the wall thereof, this angel did, in 144 cubits according to to the measure of a man, that is, of the angel. And the building of the wall of it was of Jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. Don't you want to go with me? I'm going here. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth an emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardite. the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth the chryoprasis, the eleventh the jacinth. the twelfth and amethyst, and the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine a whole gate being just one single pearl? And the street of the city was pure gold as it were transparent glass. And he said, I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. We're going to live in the temple of our God, and he is the temple himself. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it sh- sh- shall not be shut at all by day, for, there's, for there is, sh- there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall be no wise enter into it anything that defileth. No defiling thing will enter into this city. It will all be perfect. Neither whatsoever worketh abomination, nor maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. This is the eternal consummation of this most beautiful love story I've been telling us. This is the reconstitution of everything good for all who have called upon the name of the Lord. And this is the perfect will of God, that all this should come to pass and all souls would be here with him. It's not his will that any should perish, but all would come to repentance and be here in this city with him. This is the ultimate goal of this entire world and of time and of everything. Everything, the sun, the moon, the stars. This whole cosmos revolves around this eternal and ultimate goal. The Lord made the earth and peopled it, and then called them out of the darkness, brought, bought the church with his own blood and purposed that all people would be with him in paradise. I would do anything, go anywhere to make sure you made it. I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to miss this Eternity for anything. And and why do I feel so passionate about this? Because this eternity is better than anything I can ever explain. And because if you're not found here, the condition that your soul will be in is worse than anything I could ever explain. Friend, Friend, If you choose not to call upon the name of the Lord, repenting at an altar and being baptized in water and in spirit, that's your prerogative. You can. But friend, I could not sleep if I told you not of what is to come. I've got to tell you about this. After the church is raptured, what is to come is above anything this world has ever known. For this entire world, for the first time, will truly be without a true God, a teaching priest, or the law. For the first time, this world will suffer the true wrath of God, poured out from seven different vials from heaven until this whole world melts away. Those who are left will experience something Scripture spends two testaments warning us of. Behold, Isaiah wrote, The Lord maketh the earth empty, and maketh it waste, and turneth upside down, and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. This is just the beginning of woes for humanity left. It only gets worse. And it shall be as with the people, so with the priest. For God isn't partial, for he is not a respecter of persons. It will be as with the servant, so with his master. As with the maid, so with her mistress. As with the buyer, so with the seller. As with the lender, so with the borrower. As with the taker of usury, so with the giver of usury to him. The land shall be utterly emptied and utterly spoiled, for the Lord hath spoken this word. This isn't isn't me making this up. This isn't me trying to scare anybody down. This is the word of the Lord. The earth mourneth and fadeth away. The world languisheth and fadeth away. The haughty people of the earth do languish. The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinances, and broken the everlasting covenant. This is what's to come when we start changing these eternal truths. When we change. And we don't preach everything in this word and we don't live out everything in this word. This is what we're sending people to. And friend, if you've never heard, this is where we're going if we don't call upon the name of the Lord. I encourage you to do that. Therefore hath the curse devoured the earth, Scripture says, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned and few men left. This is scripture, friends. The new wine mourneth, the vine languisheth, all the merry-hearted do sigh. The mirth of tabret ceaseth, the noise of them that rejoice endeth, the joy of the harp ceaseth. They shall not drink wine with a song, and strong drink shall be bitter to them that drink it. You can't even get away from this with a strong enough drink because it won't go down. The city of confusion is broken down. Every house is also shut up so that no man will come in. Those left here will be found knocking on the doors after midnight, but like others will die with their fist up against a door. There's a crying for wine in the streets, and all joy is darkened and the mirth of the land is gone. In the city is left desolation and the gate is smitten with destruction. When thus it shall be in the midst of the land among the people, there shall be as a shaking of an olive tree, and as the gleaning grapes when the vintage is done. They shall lift up their voice. They shall sing for the majesty of the Lord. They shall cry aloud from the sea. Wherefore glorify ye the Lord in the fires, even the name of the Lord God of Israel in the isles of the sea. For the uttermost part of the earth have we heard songs, even gloried to the righteous. They've heard the praises, but rejected God. And now God is rejecting them. Don't be in that crowd, my friend. But I said, my leanness, my leanness, woe unto me. The treacherous dealers have dealt treacherously. Yea, the treacherous dealers have dealt very treacherously. Fear in the pit and the snare are upon thee, O inhabitants of the earth. This is the message to all who are left. And it shall come to pass that he who fleeth from the noise of the fear shall fall in the pit, and he that cometh out of the midst of the pit shall be taken in the snare, for the windows from on high are open, and the foundations of the earth do shake. Listen at this now. The earth is utterly broken down. The earth is clean Dissolved, the earth is moved exceedingly. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard, and shall be removed like a cottage, and the transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it, and it shall fall and not rise again. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall punish the host of the high ones that are on high, and and the kings of the earth upon the earth. And they shall be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit, and shall be shut up in the prison, and after many days they will be visited, and that visitation is not a good one. Then the moon shall be confounded, and the sun ashamed, when the Lord of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion, and in Jerusalem, and before his ancients gloriously. This punishment. This everlasting destruction is so great, Isaiah called in another place, Howl ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and it shall come as a destruction from from the Almighty. Therefore shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt. And they shall be afraid, and pangs and sorrow shall take hold of them, and they shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. They shall be amazed at one another, their faces shall be as flames. They'll be as women forever caught in the pains of childbirth. Men will look at each other with the most disfigured faces above that which we have ever seen in the likeness of men. Faces full of terror and out-of-this-world pain. They'll be crying, pain-stricken, screaming, squealing, moaning, writhing in the most painful way, wishing for death to come upon them, and that luxury won't be afforded. Friend, this is the fate of all who have not called upon the name of the Lord. And after this moment, when all the wrath of God has been poured out, it is the hope of all listening and surely those who will find themselves there that it is the end. But it's not. You remember the parable of the talents when he said, well done. There's another side of that story. The investment the master left them is likened unto the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of heaven is likened unto life. So he left them for a time, (laughs) a little short life, and it was up to them to see what they would do with it. Two servants took the investment left to them and made good on it. They gave their all to multiply what they had for their master. They presented their life as good investments to their master, and they were received in their reward. But one servant took that investment given him and hid it. He kept it for himself, hiding it to present just what he had to his master. He didn't do anything else with it. And he presented it back to the master, expecting the initial investment to be enough. And that master said, Thou wicked and slothful servant, Thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received my own with usury. Take therefore the talents from him, and give it unto him which have ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away, even that which he does have. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Friend, you've been given this little short life by your master, for he is your Lord, whether you acknowledge it or not. And there comes a time when you will have to even acknowledge him as your Lord. And he's left you with this little short life to invest, to invest in the kingdom, thus loving God, and to invest in those around you, thus loving others. And what will you do with it? If you invest, if you stand righteously before God and man, you will hear, "Well done." But if you take your life for your own, not giving it wholeheartedly to God and to His service, your little short life will, will be taken from you, and all you will, and all you have will be given to those who made good on this investment, and you will find yourself in a place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And you remember when I told you that Christ would sh- would sift the souls of men before his judgment seat, and have sheep on the right and goats on the left, if you've not given your whole life, both initially in salvation and continuously in righteous living, you'll find yourself on the left. Oh God, please don't find yourself there. You will hear as Christ, who still loves you, deny you. He'll say, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for for the devil and his angels. For I was in hunger, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in, naked, and you clothed me not, sick, and in prison, and you visited me not. This is everlasting fire, a fire that burns not just flesh, but it burns soul. Friend, please do all I've, All I have beseeched us to do not to end up there. This is a fire prepared specifically for the devil and his angels. Souls of men were never meant to ever taste this. But alas, some may. But friend, please don't be one. For Scripture says, those souls who have gone through the great tribulation, which I've previously described, will not die just once and be allowed to death, and be allowed to rest, but they will be resurrected judged again by God, and sent eternally to burn. John saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And he saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire with death and hell. Friend, if, if your name isn't found in the Lamb's book of life, you burn in the same place that hell and death does. In that book of life, in it is all the names of every person to ever live. If you follow the plan of salvation and live righteously, your name will not be blotted out and you will inherit heaven. But if you do not do well, your name is blotted out and it would be better for you in that day had you never been born. Oh friend, don't get called in that position. In this place, men will cry an unimaginable cry and howl, saying, How long must I endure this death? And hell's unforgiving walls will echo back for eternity, forever, forever, forever. Men will cry for a drink of water. They'll cry for someone to dip their finger in water and place it on their mouth to cool their tongue, and that will be denied them. Men will cry for death and not see it, but will forever experience the pains of dying. And how long is eternity, you may ask? No one knows, but I can try to explain. Imagine the earth were a steel ball, and an eagle came once every thousand years and brushed its wing up against the ball, slowly taking away at the mass. Of the ball. When that steel ball has completely diminished away from being s- scraped, eternity has just begun. Or imagine a bird hopped across this nation of ours and took one drop of the Pacific Ocean in its mouth and took that drop and deposited it in- into the Atlantic. When one ocean is empty and the other overflows, eternity would have not even been fully started. And for those who find them in this eternal lake of fire, they may hope that once that steel ball is diminished, there may be a reprieve. There may be a chance for water, but to their horror, they'll see that once that ball has completely diminished, another ball made of steel twice the size of the earth would reappear, and the process of an eagle's wing would have just begun. And maybe those in heaven would look down wanting to relieve their loved one and think maybe once the Atlantic is full and the Pacific is dry, I might be able to provide some water. But once the Atlantic is full and the Pacific is dry, one ocean would overflow another and the process would begin all over again. The bird may pass away. The process would never finish, but eternity would still go on. Friend, there's nothing you can do after the final judgment has been written. The question is this, then, what will be the final judgment of your life? Will you hear, Well done, good and faithful servant and then spend eternity in that city which lieth foursquare? Or will you here depart from me and be cast into an eternal lake of fire where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched? What will be the final judgment of your life? I hope you're blessed. I hope you have peace and joy. If you have a home church, I pray you and your church are blessed this week. If you don't, we would love to see you at Restoration Apostolic Church, 110 Moores Grove Road, Winterville, Georgia. And if you don't have a home church, but you don't live near here, reach out to me. I would love to help you not ever have to experience the pains that I've just described. I would be glad to help you find a church wherever you're at. Friends, thank you and be blessed.